Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. This Sunday night after the final episode of True Detective, we'll be going live for our last Flat Circle After Show with Jason Concepcion and Chris Ryan. You can stream that live on YouTube, Facebook, and Periscope. And while you're there, make sure to subscribe to our channel at youtube.com slash The Ringer as we near 100,000 subscribers. Welcome. This is Larry Wilmore. I'm Black on the Air. Special show today. Um, usually, you know, I do a little weigh-in, but there's so much going on. I had to bring my boy. I had to bring one of my boys in to have <laughs> a righteous conversation. He's the senior producer on TMZ, and he has his podcast, Red Pill. If you guys aren't listening to it, listen to it. it drops every Tuesday, I believe. Mr. Van Lathan. Van, thank you so much. What up, what up? Pleasure to be here. Thanks. Big fan of yours, bro. I'm back at you, yeah, you know, man. and... and you know, I want to talk to you just about you for a second before we get into sure. the real the reason meat. you're here. Because yes. this is one of those things where, like, we've had this conversation on the phone a little bit, uh, and yeah, yeah. texting a little bit with other people, with our friends. And the type of conversation that I normally have in real life that Van has with his friends and we kind of have together, mm. I thought, let's have that on the podcast today, sure. you know, yeah. which which would be kind of fun to talk about this Jesse Smollett thing is what we're going to break down first and maybe have a broader conversation. But let me introduce Van a little bit. Van, just live, uh, where are you from anyway? I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Are you from Louisiana? I didn't know that. Yeah, from down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, mm-hmm. Been in L.A. like, I think, 13 years. Right. When, yeah. What brought you here? Uh, we had a little weather event down in Louisiana. <laughs> well, well, hmm, well, do you, do you remember that? Oh, yeah. I think Brownie did a heck of a job. <laughs> Brownie did a heck of a job, yeah. <laughs> yes. And so um, that was— So your family moved then? Or? No. So for okay. me, um, I like when that was going on, I was actually working on a show down there, a movie called The Reaping. Okay. And, um, and what were you doing on that I movie? was the stage manager. Okay. And so you had— Dreams of be- being in the movies and yes. working in the movies that time of day? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, I am a a writer, and right. so I uh, that actually had a little bit to do with how I got out here. But right. um, Van said that as in the way that every writer says that. It's kind of an apology statement. <laughs> it's a statement that's laced with apology. Right. But, but don't, no matter what stage you have at, every writer feels that way. It's called the imposter syndrome. Right. It's, it's yes. like, you know, every writer well, feels that like, way. Well, I'm a writer. What yeah. have you done? Nothing that you know. So <laughs> yes. let's move on in the right. conversation. Um, but yeah, so uh, I was the stage manager. So uh-huh. the, there are no studios in Baton Rouge, right? Sure. So right. when you come down there and you shoot a movie, I think they're building one now. When you come down and you shoot right. a movie in Baton Rouge, you got to find studio space. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we took the Walmart on Perkins Road or what they did, and they turned it into a stage. Oh, wow. And so my job on this picture, and the movie was like it starred a very early Idris Elba movie role right. with Hillary Swank and mm-hmm. all of those guys. And I had to come in, unlock the the stage right. in the morning. I had to coordinate with like, like unlocking Transpo. that gym so the ball players yeah, can come in, exactly. the NBA players. Exactly. Right, right. I know about it. Like yeah. it like unlock it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then like it was so weird because so I would coordinate everything between transportation, set direction right. and all of that stuff like that. And then also like do little breakdowns because they were built, they those were the hubs for everyone that was Working uh-huh. out of there, and then also they was were it building. an independent film? No, it was like this was uh, Dark Castle. Oh, okay, yeah, this was Joel Silver. Like oh, he wow. came down to Baton Rouge, oh, cool. and so, um, so anyway, so and then they started building sets in there and shooting stuff inside there. And I remember I was so excited, right? Mm-hmm. So excited! I remember. I can imagine. Yeah. 
Hillary Swank walks in. I'm right. talking to her. You just elbow. I got to talk to the screenwriters of the movie. They right. were writing pages like as the movie was happening. And were they pretty cool? Were they nice to you? They were very cool. That's nice. All of these people were yeah. cool. And the people who weren't cool, I won't talk about. <laughs> but um, but uh, and I remember I told uh, one of the guys his name was um, Sarah Flam. Uh, she she's a big time big deal now, but she was just she was a production supervisor then, not just not to diss Sarah. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna get an air mattress. I'm mm-hmm. just gonna like leave the air mattress right here. Mm-hmm. And she was like, uh, okay, you don't have to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's just easier for me. I don't, to, to, besides driving back out, I can just be right here. You're gonna live up there. In the Yes. On set. I'm going to live on set okay. was what I was going to do. I'm going to live on the, the Walmart. There Got was it. like a, there was a, a piggly wiggly across the street. So I just go there and get myself. And what happened was right when I was like, because I had to go buy air mattress. Right when I was getting, right. buying the air mattress to do this is when they started to be like, yo, you, if you guys can get out of South Louisiana, you should. Because this hurricane is going to be oh, wow. as bad as we think that it could possibly be. How far in advance were people saying that? Um, I think that get out was maybe two or three days. So before. not a lot of time, right? Not a long time. I mean, mm-hmm. we knew that the, the hurricane was going to be uh, a strong hurricane because right. what happened with Katrina is that if people don't know, the Gulf Katrina came through. Um, I guess it came through South Florida, wherever mm-hmm. it came up through. And then um, when hurricanes get to the Gulf, the water there is so warm. Yeah, it really. It's like steroids. Yeah. So they just churn there and they get big. And once they saw that, they're like, okay, you're not going to be able to ride this one out. Uh, you need to get out. And so when that happened, I thought maybe staying in a hollowed out Walmart wouldn't be the best place for me to <laughs> right, be. You know what exactly. I mean? So I went back to the crib. And I, I then, wouldn't suggest that no matter where that Walmart Right, was. exactly. <laughs> right. So I, I went back to the crib. And then when I went back to the crib, all hell broke loose. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so. So your whole family was in there, right? Yes. Where it's down there. How, how big was your family? Um, pretty big. Uh-huh. Pretty big. And you, so what happened? So what ended up happening was, remember I was in Baton Rouge and not in New Orleans. Okay. So being that I was in Baton right. Rouge, um, we, the hurricane came through. I mean, my father lost his house. Oh man, I'm Just sorry. because uh, a, a, it, the hurricane sent a tree through my room. Wow. And then we just didn't have the money to rebuild. Right. Like we didn't have the money. So that kind of led to us losing the entire deal. It just destroyed everything. Right. But, um, uh, what happened? So the levees breached in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and that's what really the hurricane. Actually, people don't know this about Katrina. It didn't slam New Orleans as hard as it could have. Mm-hmm. It actually veered off a little bit towards it, the end. It's when the levees breached. Right? The levees breached, and that's mm-hmm. what really caused right. all the 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 chaos down there. Spike Lee has the conspiracy theory that at the time, right? that they blew the levees. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people feel that way. Mm-hmm. But what ended up happening was. And it was a, a a very, very important life lesson for me is that I saw firsthand how quickly society can be reduced to, like, nothing. Wow. Because mm. even as far out to Baton Rouge, like, you would go, like, what do you do? Just ask yourself this question. What do you do when you go to the supermarket and there's no food? Mm-hmm. And like, well, like, what do you do? Right. Like, how do you, like, what happens? And you would go there and everybody would be freaked out. They set a curfew. It's like what a failed state feels like. Right. You know, like people in Venezuela. Like, that's how Precisely. they. Right. Yeah. And I just remember that there was this weird weight in the air. Yeah. Right. And we would be sitting around talking. 
And we would be like, yo, is this like, is this, is this how it happens? Did and people, were, did it, was there a sense of neighbors helping or was it a sense of apocalyptic isolation? <laughs> Depends know? on where you were. Like uh-huh. we were out in like, my father's home was out in Zachary, right? Mm-hmm. So I came into the middle of the city to ride the storm out because there were so many trees around there. Like mm-hmm. my my dad's home was out there. We had a pond and there were so many trees. I was like, probably not the best place to be if there's going to be this type of this type of wind coming through. One of the trees comes out and that's exactly what it ended up happening. Um, out there, they felt like they were by themselves when mm-hmm. you were in the country and stuff like that. But right. in the middle of the city, it was just weird. You were hearing all these kind of crazy stories about people getting jacked for their gas. Mm-hmm. There were so many people that I knew that had relatives in New Orleans like I did that couldn't get in touch with their people, didn't know if their people were living or dead. And then on that particular show, um, I remember what really crystallized in my mind just how big of a deal the hurricane was, was I came in because I didn't know what was going on because the communication was completely messed up. So I came in to just kind of look over the the Walmart and make sure that no one had gone in there and was taking the stuff out of there. And when Mm -hmm. I got to the parking lot, it was filled with like army people. Like hmm. there was like there was like, like army National people, Guard? yeah, National Guard people, mm-hmm. and like they were like getting ready to go down in New Orleans. They were looking at maps and all of that stuff like that. I was like, okay, well, I'm out, and I left. But when we finally did get back, because people slowly started to trickle back in, the stories, man, the stories of people, the pictures of people mm. that had I never forget. There was a paramedic, and his name was Frank. And uh, me and Frank would talk, and he actually inspired, like, a a screenplay that I wrote about it. Me and Frank would talk, and he was like, yo, I walked into my house, and I'm like, okay, whatever, and there's water all in this house. And his wife just looks around, and he goes, like, she just collapses. Hmm. There's a moment where she just realized she, in one moment, just lost everything. Water is fucking devastating. It is. I mean, you guys experience a wind event, which is bad, too, but water is one of the most devastating things because— It's long-lasting, the effects of it. You can still see. Mm-hmm. It destroys everything. Yeah. It's the hardest thing to clean up from. Mm-hmm. You know? All that's right. And then yeah. when you—and then— <laughs> There's my, an emotional effect that it has on you, I think, just, too, when you see the destruction that it yeah. does. Yeah. And then there's, there's, there's certain things that people—I mean, New Orleans is in the middle of a swamp land, right? Right. So there's— in these swamps, there's pernicious wildlife. <laughs> yes. yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great way to you put know, it. You right. know what I mean? There's, there's like, there's like, you know, you, you. It's one thing you're trying to swim away, and then there's a water moccasin right there, yeah. and there, and there, gators, and all kinds of different situations. So it was just bad. And then I remember. So by the time there was some semblance of normalcy that had returned by the time, because that movie ended up stretching out. We were supposed to have been done, but it ended up stretching out to maybe like. December, they wrapped. So you continued working on it after Continued working on mm-hmm. it. They came back. There's actually another hurricane after that, by the way, Rita. And they all went to Texas, but we stayed. Mm-hmm. And um, we we continued to wrap, finished the movie. Movie is horrible. Um, and then in, like, I had worked and, and I had enough money. And in, like, February, uh, like, I left to come to L.A. just to meet with some people. Mm-hmm. And I never went back home. And you just stayed here. Yeah. And then, like, when I got out here— all of the tension and everything that was existing down in Louisiana, mm-hmm. it just didn't exist here. And every single thing I saw was like Christmas morning. I got out here, I saw the Capitol Records building. I was like, oh my God. Like people would be like, yo, do you see? I remember like 
we passed by we passed by Fast Facts in Wilshire, and my boy Tommy goes, "Yo, this is where they killed the notorious. This is where Biggie got shot." And I was mm-hmm. like, "Wow, really?" And I was like, "He goes, <laughs> you probably shouldn't be that excited <laughs> right, about right, that." Right, right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And so then that's I, what they beat Reginald Diddy. That's what they beat. Hey, that's what they beat <laughs> Reginald Diddy up right there. Mm-hmm. But um, I just you know I fell in love with LA, and mm-hmm. I decided to find a way to make the city work for me. Yeah. yeah. And so how did you get hooked up with TMZ? How did you get and go down that road? So like I was in Burbank and I was um I was writing for this show called Capricorn Programs, mm-hmm. like writing and producing like little clip shows. There's a show called Cybernet, it was a video game show, and the show called Cinema Cinema Cinema, it was a movie show. Okay. And then that company just went away. And so I was unemployed. It was like really interesting the way they did that. The company just it, it, it just kind of, it was gone. It was, we were unemployed. Mm-hmm. And so I was, for two years, I was just like writing and drawing unemployment because it was, the economy was so messed up, right? Right. So you truly were a writer in Hollywood. Yes. Right? That's, I was, the, that's the life. Man. I was, I was right. waking up. So I had a bunch of different places I was writing for. I was writing my stuff mm-hmm. and I was writing for a, fight, a site called, a movie site called Flick Sided. I was writing for Rat Pages magazine. Just doing anything that they asked me to do. <laughs> then right. I was writing for. Uh, I had my blog, and I was putting out. I was putting out comedy, uh, and I, I was putting out like I would write like satire comedy blogs, mm-hmm. and they started to like take off. Mm-hmm. Like they started to go viral. Yeah, and um, and like Yard Barker came and got with the blog, and I got like a Muscle Milk sponsorship. I'm like, all of this is going great, and all of this good fortune. Continued until, and this is a slightly long story, so That's listeners, okay. stay with me. This is a so, podcast. So all of this, this goodwill, mm-hmm. stay with me until one day I'm going into the gym to play basketball, right? Mm-hmm. And this lady says, hey, uh, do you want to be a part of this survey? You know, this is about two years into my unemployment. Ladies, uh, do you want to be a part of this survey? We'll do the, if you do the survey, we'll give you 500 bucks. Now remember, I'm on unemployment. Yep. So that's a week's salary. Absolutely. Right. So I'm like, yeah, sure. And she was like, all right, cool. And she pulls out this little camera and she starts asking me random questions like, Mm -hmm. who's your celebrity crush? And who's this and this and this and that? So I'm being myself. I'm trying to (laughs) riff with her and do all (laughs) this stuff because I want to be able to go do the survey and make the money. And she goes, wow, you're great. Like, uh, that's awesome. Cool. She's like, all right, so this is what you're going to do. Because this was what you had to do was if if she liked what you did on on this little video, you then in. you can go do the survey and Got do it. all this. And so um, she goes, uh, okay, well, it's happening uh, next Saturday out in Van Nuys. And what it is is we're just going to have you do all of these different products, men your age. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like a deodorant and a toothpaste and all of that stuff like that. You go out there. One day, it's 500 bucks. See, I'm thinking it's an FBI sting, you know. Right. Like You're, the IRS shows right. up and says, oh, Mr. Wilmer, <laughs> right. let's talk about 1997. What? <laughs> like, like, it's funny that I you said that. I don't remember that year. Because, like, whenever I would tell my boys about that, my boys yeah. would be like, hey, man, that don't sound right. Yeah, I don't just <laughs> show up. So why can't we do what you want to do right now? Right. Why do I got to go somewhere else at a prescribed time? Right. It's like in good pills. No, no, no. The, no, 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 go in there. Back, in the back there. there. It's the in dresses. All the way in the back. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and so, that's a great scene, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, I always wonder if he was really going to kill her. Uh, but Definitely. Yeah, I think so, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I go out there, and when I get there, uh, I have I have my girl drive me out there. Mm-hmm. Like and when like when I when I get there, I'm out there and I'm, it's like uh, 
it's what she said it, she, it, it, she, it is. It's like this place in Van Nuys, nondescript. And you walk in, and there's a little room there. You're waiting, and they got snacks and stuff like that. Felt like a green room. And um, they said, the guy comes out, and he goes, okay, so this is the way it goes. It's like, we have all these different products for you to use. He's like, we need you to uh, take a shower and then use this soap. <laughs> Don't use this soap. Uh-huh. Don't use the shampoo. Because we're not doing the shampoo You had today. to take a shower there. You had to take a shower there. It was a yeah. shower that they had. Uh-huh. So take a shower. Use this soap. Don't use this soap because this is the soap we're testing right here. There's a big X on one of the soaps. Don't use that soap. Okay. Uh, come out. Use this deodorant. All right. Tell us what you think of the deodorant after you use the deodorant. Uh, whatever. Uh-huh. Then um, brush your teeth. And we have all of this. They have the toiletries out there. Use this don't use that. Blah, blah, blah. Like, why is that there? Like, that's, that's, that's <laughs> right. This is the stuff we're doing right. this time. And, it's like, and then we're going to come over, you're going to shave, and when you shave, you're going to use this razor and this stuff like that. I'm like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So I get out of the shower, do everything that they said to do. I love that this is getting you to TMZ, this whole story. Because I'll tell okay. you how this gets me this to TMZ. Is, okay. So I, I, I do, this, enti- I, I do this, this entire thing, and I... Um, I go into this room, this locker room, mm-hmm. and there are two other guys there. And the two other guys there, they don't have shirts on. They have just like, mm-hmm. they, they're like got towels on. Right. And I'm like, yo, what is this, man? And I see like a gym class schedule up there. They got lockers there. And then there's like, <laughs> on, on the other side over here, they're like mirrors and stuff. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> at this point, I was really on because I was hooping every day, working out every day. I was really on my fitness. So I'm like, yo, I'm going to see there's a scale there. I'm going to get on the scale, see how much I weigh right now. Right. So I get on the scale. Scale does not work. Scale's totally broke. Scale says I wear 112 pounds. I'm like, yo, I asked one of the guys over there, the guys who aren't talking to me. I'm like, yo, is this scale work? And one of the dudes is like, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm like, <laughs> all right, bro. Like, it's not like I wasn't talking to you. Cool. So I'm like, whatever. I go over there and I start to use the razor. Mm-hmm. When I start to use the razor, Somebody jumps out and they say, are you ready for the Gillette Fusion Pro Glide Challenge? Right. And I'm like, what? And there's a camera crew and a dude with a microphone with a Gillette logo on it. Uh-huh. And it turns out that this is a commercial. Got it. So I then, <laughs> like, like, I then start going back and forth with this uh-huh. guy. And... Uh, we do this whole little deal. There's a dude there. There's a boom guy. All oh of this God. stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And then after it's over, the dude, because I'm I'm riffing with him. I'm like, well, after yeah. it's over, I walk into this room, and there's a full, the whole nines back there. There are the monitors, right. everything. And that, people are- cl- two-way mirror type of the thing. The whole deal. And people right. are clapping because the director goes, you figured me out. I was like, it's not that I figured you out. It was just like, there was obviously something wrong that right. I couldn't get. So here's the deal. Once again, I am blessed and lucky because I thought that this was going to be $500. No, it's $1,000 a day for the commercial, right? And because it was a Saturday, I got double the session fee. Mm-hmm. So this was $2,000, which was all the money in the world to me. Hollywood success story, right? right. Here you go. So, so, they, they, <laughs> so they pay me for the commercial, and then they start paying me holding as well. Because they mm-hmm. got to hold you so in case you don't do any other, you know, commercials or whatever. Wow. So if I am filling out my unemployment stuff and the way unemployment works, if you guys don't know, is you fill out the money that you've made for the quarter when you when you declare for unemployment. Mm-hmm. And that's how much money they 
decide to pay you, right? That's how, mm-hmm. that's based on that. So if you never make have any income, it stays by what you first told them that you made. Got it. But if you make income, they readjust your unemployment based upon what you made. And $2,000 is good, but it's not good for an entire quarter or two quarters or a whole year. Mm-hmm. So if, you have, if you've been putting down that you never made any bread, right, and then you put down that you made 2000 bucks, you go from $450 a week to $75 a week. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you can't live off unemployment. That is what happened to me. Wow. After that happened to me, $75, I said, I have to get a job. Mm-hmm. When I said that, I went on entertainmentcareers.net, and the first job that was there was TMZ Tour Guide. This is an unbelievable detour <laughs> story. I feel like there's a red herring Hitchcockian thing in here. I swear to you, this is the first job that was How there. How did you get the job at TMZ? Okay, Larry, here's what happened. It, it, it took three years, but, but and here's what happened. Really, like, seriously, right. though, uh-huh. that's how. I never considered at all. I didn't really even know too much about TMZ. Right. So it wasn't about being a journalist. It wasn't about wanting to be. It uh-huh. was pure chance. And so you walked in there and you just got a job. I, no, I, I, like I wrote a funny cover letter mm-hmm. um, because they were ca- they were casting for the TMZ tour. Right. I wrote a funny cover letter. They had it was already the end of the summer, and so mm-hmm. like they 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 brought me in. Um, I interviewed. I. And what it was when you when you do the tour, like we were still developing the tour. Okay. So we were actually writing, not the actual packages, but we were writing like what you do here, where you go here, what you say here. We mm-hmm. were all developing that stuff together. So I was using my skill set, doing that. And then I gave a tour and Harvey was on it. Mm-hmm. And once once he saw me on that, he goes, we got to have you in the office. Oh, that's cool. So I start doing the show every single day, and then I start learning the ins and outs. Mm-hmm. I get a camera. I start going out on the street, mm-hmm. doing that part of it. Um, what is your basic job at TMZ? Like, what what do you what do you assign to do? Uh, create content. Okay. So what what what, what do we do is you you work an angle on a story. Mm-hmm. Um, like I me mean, when you're been, when you've been there as long as I do, like. All your contacts come in handy. Mm-hmm. All your expertise comes in handy. Um, and what type of story are you guys looking for? Those gossipy stories? The... No, just whatever. Uh-huh. It depends. Like Because it, it... TMZ has broken, like, news news ahead yeah. of what's called the mainstream uh, journalism outlet. Well, to right? me, Harvey Levin is the best investigative journalist in the country. Mm-hmm. I think— I just think he drinks a lot of shakes. He I don't does, know what he's drinking. He's a lot of shakes, bro. Like he always has a cup and a straw. Yeah, man. He's, he's like he's he's about his health, you know. Guys, yeah. holding it together, and so you know, for for me, after if I got in the office, I figured out how you generate content, how you make yourself mm-hmm. interesting, how you craft a voice, and then been there for eight years. Very good. So let's talk about this Jesse Smollett thing, and then you know we can come back to Team Z a little bit if oh. we want to. Okay, first of all, I know everybody out there has heard about this where. Jesse, the actor on Empire, reported that he was attacked by, I believe what he said, were two white guys who had ski masks on, mm-hmm. I think was his simple description, who yelled some epithets, mm-hmm. called him— Racist and homophobic. Racist and homophobic epithets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that combo, right? And mm-hmm. uh, then started 
beating him up, I guess. Beat, beat him. I'm trying to go in the order. So punched uh, him. Punched him, okay. But I'm going to assume a couple of times or whatever. Well, he says it was a punch, and then he punched back. Okay, so the, a fight ensued, let's uh-huh. say. Um, he was out supposedly getting a sandwich at Subway or something like that. He was hungry. It was 1 or 2 in the morning. It was, mm-hmm. I've heard both 1 and I've heard 2. Sometime in there in Chicago, about 10 degrees, something like that. It was very cold. It was mm-hmm. right before the real polar, polar vortex. vortex hit, yeah. Like it was the day before it was going to be minus 20 or whatever. Yeah. So the temperature was dropping. And he also reported that during the fight— um, some one of them put what he said was a noose around him, or a when it went to the ground, there was a rope placed around his neck. Okay, yeah, um, and that some liquid was spilled on him that was thought to be bleach. He didn't know what it was then, but it, later on he found out that it was bleach. So he he didn't use the word bleach at first. I guess he just said yeah. some liquid or something. Mm-hmm. And then the last part of it that was first reported, then not reported, and then reported again was that he said that they said something like, welcome to MAGA country. Right? Yeah. Something or something like, like that. that. Yeah. Okay. And uh, But then they said, no, he didn't say that. And then he came out and said, yes, I did say that I heard that mm-hmm. or whatever. Okay. Um, today, we're, we're taping this on Wednesday. Uh-huh. What is the date? I'm looking at my watch. Today is the... I think it's the 20th. Today's the 20th. Yeah. Wednesday? Rihanna's, Rihanna's birthday, so happy birthday, Okay, yeah, yeah, very nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice shout-out. Somebody's trying to get in there. <laughs> a little work, work, work. <laughs> uh, Wednesday, February 20th. So as of now, mm-hmm. Jesse Smollett has been charged with felony disorderly conduct for what the police say has been a false reporting of this crime. Yes. That's where we are right now. Right, where we are right now is— um, the uh, Nigerian brothers. Yes. Well, yeah. So I'm skipping steps now. Yeah, we'll story. we'll come back to that too. Right. Okay. So um, yeah. So go ahead. So so <laughs> so Nigerian. Are they actually brothers or are they Nigerian brothers? brothers? No, they they brothers. They're brothers they're, and brothers. brothers. They're brothers and brothers. <laughs> yes, they're brothers both exactly. ways. Yes. 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 Exactly. One would assume if they're from Nigeria, they probably are brothers. Right. right. Um. So they were somehow identified as these two shadowy figures. Yes. I guess the police identified them as them. Uh, did, it turned out not to be two white guys, apparently, but it was two Nigerian brothers. And mm-hmm. they have now said that there's been some connection between these brothers and Jesse. He, like, they are his trainers. One of them, one is, of his them is his trainer. And I think one or both of them were extras on Empire. Yes, he got them jobs as being extras Okay, so, so they know each other. Standings, yeah. So now it's problematic because if these two people know this guy, this the story starts falling apart. Hmm. Right? Depends. Well— it's not two white guys that attacked him then. Right. So, or those two guys who they cut can't be what he said were the two white guys that attacked him. So, yeah. So, right. so, so that part, right. so that connection has to Right. Go so away. if he says, so if the guys were wearing ski masks, right? And by the way, this is not me in any way mm-hmm. saying that I still believe Justice Millett because I really put okay. my— that's okay. Let's start with that right now. Okay. okay. What was your first reaction when you heard this story? I believed him. You completely believed him? Yes. Right? Did you, like, how did you feel when you heard it? What was your personal reaction? I was outraged. Yeah. Yeah. Now, remember now, mm-hmm. you're talking to me right. that, um, mm-hmm. from South Louisiana, Got it. A, a place where uh, a racist or homophobic attack isn't something that mm-hmm. is from another planet. It right. lives exactly where we are. Yeah. Yo, these white dudes beat me up at school, mm-hmm. the cops. I've been handcuffed five times, never been arrested. Pernicious creatures are not just in the swamp. Not just in the swamp. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, 
you know, my sister is a is a is a is a lesbian um, in Baton Rouge right now. Mm-hmm. And the stories that I hear from her, so it's not that big of a jump for me. Right. Uh, also, um, I had some contact with Jesse Smollett prior to this. Are you guys friends? I wouldn't say that we were friends, mm-hmm. but I would say that we had exchanged text messages. We had met, and okay. he had actually pointed me to uh, some really brilliant people that are doing work on behalf. Um, of trying to stop the AIDS mm-hmm. uh, epidemic, if you will, if you can call it that, in the hood, in mm-hmm. the communities around you know, the the Black Family Reunion, the Black right. AIDS organization. And he he was, we had done outreach. Yeah, the fight against AIDS kind of waned down a little bit. Or when I blame it on Magic, who said, you know, mm-hmm. he, he had the Magic AIDS, so I guess they're going to win. Oh my God. And everybody. <laughs> Everybody thought we don't need to fight AIDS anymore. I mean, imagine right, 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 right. right. No, you know? you're right. <laughs> right. But it's still a big deal, especially right. in Baton Rouge. And so, like, um, I met him one time, and we ran into each other. And so we had exchanged text messages and okay. things like that. And so so was, he was kind of an activist. He was definitely an activist. He mm-hmm. was a huge voice in both communities that he represents. Black and L- LGBTQ. Right. right. So when this happened— there was absolutely zero reason, and I believe in cultural mm-hmm. trust. There was there was actually okay. zero reason for me to— Now, when you say cultural trust, what do you mean? What I mean by cultural trust is black man comes to me and says something racist happened to him. Okay. The first thing I say is, let's get him. Okay. Now, if it falls apart, it falls apart. Got and it. if it falls apart, you become the them, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the first thing I do is, I, all right, cool. Because for too many, for, for too many years, I feel like— our stories haven't been believed right. by people, right. um, and people always think we're harping on things and we're making right. too big of a deal about things right, right. when really these things are happening to us. So when this first happens, especially to him, mm-hmm. um, now if this had happened to Soldier Boy, I'd be like, I don't know, but like, <laughs> like, like, like we gotta. But for right. for him, I to be honest with you, I gave him a little bit more credit. He seemed like a very eloquent spokesperson for these events. He did. He never seemed hysterical when he was talking about uh, when he was when he was an advocate. I mean, yeah. You know, he seemed like one of those people. Okay, he seems pretty reasonable. And he, he was working super hard. And by mm-hmm. the way, in covering, he was on my show, on the nightly show. Oh, uh, right. Well, yeah, he was very good on it. He spoke very eloquently about in, a lot of things. In yeah. covering Jesse Smollett, mm-hmm. you've never seen one iota of someone who was. Chasing the spotlight or fame or trying yeah. to be out there and like be super demonstrative about yeah. we know the people that are kind of doing that kind of deal. Yeah. I he, mean they had that creepy reality show, I think, about their family, right? When was that? Oh, was I, I never saw it. Or something like that. Yeah, no, Anytime there's a reality, reality show about show. the whole family, I just You're think like, it's kind of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think it sets the right tone for the rest of your right, life you're in right. some ways, you know. <laughs> because concerned, we had a reality show about, about the, whole the family, family, about oh, the inner okay. dynamics of uh, right. did you uh, take my lawnmower? Yeah, right. but um yeah, so I, I had no reason. Right. No reason to doubt him to from not your perspective. Him. Now, from the, a cultural standpoint and what you knew about him. And his right? personal reputation. And his personal reputation. Got it. Yeah. So for right. me, I was mad. And I was mad and it also and this is kind it of It made the, you angry. Well, without a doubt. Right. Okay. Because, you know, with other viable statistics that we all know about, mm-hmm. hate crimes being on the rise since somebody announced their candidacy for president mm-hmm. uh, with what happened in Charlottesville, right. um, all of these different things. And I'm like, yo, I'm just, I'm sick of this. Mm-hmm. And for it to have happened here in such a random way, 
but not just that, even going back before the era that we're in now, Dylan Ruth and all of these things like this, mm-hmm. it's just like, it seemed like another random victimization of somebody. And in this case, it seemed like there was a possibility that it could be targeted, that he could have been targeted. Mm-hmm. Um because he does such good work. Right. And I was completely in. Yeah. Completely in. I, was. I, I have to admit that my spidey sense was engaged <laughs> immediately. My spidey, spidey verse sense. Right. My spidey sense in the spidey verse was, was upset a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I share some... Uh, I mean, I know what you mean by the cultural thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was fucked by OJ, though. <laughs> you know? So, so, I, so that was your that, deal. Yeah. That was the same. I was, the, I was in the 10th grade. Yes, I get it. On the, on the time continuum of racial injustice, OJ <laughs> fucked a lot of people. He really fucked a lot of people. Because that should have been our time. Right on the hills of Rodney King and everything. Yeah, 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 you yeah, know, yeah. OJ should have been really innocent. Right, you know? right. And we would have, yeah, man, fuck that. that you know? <laughs> I mean, we were all in that 90s. We were angry for the right reasons and all this stuff, right. you know. And then OJ came and fucked everything up, right. you know. And so now you're like, man, I'm not I'm being like, I'm like, come on, you. man. Yeah. Come on, man. Your story, bro. It's like how I feel in a different way. This is not quite related, but like mm-hmm. when I talked about voting for Obama. Mm-hmm. And I said, I voted for Obama because he was black. And I'm not afraid to admit that. Yeah. I said, I don't have to have these flowery reasons, hope and change. All right. No, he's black. He's got my vote. As long as he keeps being black, right. I support him. Well, Larry, what about Iraq? Is he still black? <laughs> Well, what about healthcare? We didn't, is he still black? <laughs> if he's still black, got my vote. I said, now the next brother that's got to run, he's going to have to show me something. Right. You know, because I already voted for the first black brother. Right. And so know? now you're just the second. Now you that's just how I feel about, the, about these things. Ah, right? that that's is a perfect I mean. analogy. So OJ kind of fucked me on that. Right. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. So with me, some of it, it was just too much detail. Yeah. Now, we're both writers. Mm-hmm. As a writer— I would do some editing in that story. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. So this is what I mean by my spidey sense. Right. I'm like, hmm. Right. Okay, so, okay. First of all, white guys, let me just get this. I, I was just going in the order of it. And so this is how it hit my brain. Because at first, I felt exactly like you when I first heard it. Because mm-hmm. I just heard a little bit of it. You didn't feel the whole, you I heard, the whole scope I heard he was jumped. And, and I think I heard MAGA country. I heard like, Maybe the, the the ends of the story. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. fuck, man, what the fuck? You know? Yeah. Seriously. And my parents are from Chicago. I know how bad Chicago Word. has been in the past and the whole history of it. And by the way, people talk about Chicago PD. My parents told me about the really racist cops in Chicago mm-hmm. back in the day. Like, these cops wish they were that racist. Right. Like, they aspire to that <laughs> yeah. level of racism. Right. Right. You, know, right. you tried with Laquan McDonald. Good, <laughs> nice try, guys. Right. That was horrible, but— um, but you, the cop went to prison, so sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still not as racist as the other ones because right. they got off. We used off to get off. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. You guys are soft. <laughs> exactly. They're soft. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but anyhow, it just, I'm like, hmm. So, first of all, some white guys who recognize him, which means they watch Empire, are <laughs> saying, yeah, yeah, are yeah. calling him right. F word and N word. I'm like, any white guy that watches Empire is not going to be, I don't think is going to have that opinion of him. Right. You know, and I know the effect that fame has on people. Like fame even disarms racists. Sure. Like Joe Lewis was the most popular person in the country 
um, at, uh, at, at, the at start a time of, where, yeah, without a doubt, yeah. And he knocked out a Nazi in the ring. Mm-hmm. Well, Max Schmeling wasn't a Nazi, but he was from Germany and from all Germany, that. Yeah. You know, but, he, but Joe Lewis still couldn't eat in a restaurant you know, right. with other people. But he like, was you still, cool, but you ain't that cool. If Joe Sammy Lewis, Davis Jr. was with the Rat Pack and still had to come in exactly. through the back. Yeah. If Joe Lewis walked into a clan meeting, they'd go, oh my God, it's Joe Lewis. You right. Know? Right. <laughs> can, can I get John to grab Joe? Okay, nigger, it's sundown. You better get out of here, you know. I mean, they would be respectful, but yeah. then they would also give him the courtesy right. of getting out, out mm-hmm. of there in time. Sure. Joe Lewis. But I'm just saying fame ha- does have an effect on people, I think. You know? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, you of know? course. But having said that, I still acknowledge that people are assholes and people do bad things. So I, I still feel it doesn't matter. Somebody could have jumped him for whatever reason, even mm-hmm. if they recognized him. Right. Okay, so I'm like, okay, Larry. Okay, I can tamp that spidey sense down, mm-hmm. right? But then the rope. Yeah. I'm like, the rope and the bleach. I'm like, well, what bigots have like a racist utility belt, you know, that they <laughs> put on before now, they go out? In my mind, I'm at thinking— At 2 in the morning, say, hey, man, wait, you did, you forgot the rope. Right. Now, think, <laughs> so, so think about how I'm thinking at this point. At my, in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking— I'm thinking story. Right. You're I'm thinking story. I'm what thinking I'm story. thinking is, is that this is a targeted attack, right? So if it's a targeted attack, this happened outside his home. Mm-hmm. So if it's a targeted attack and they decided for some reason they're going to come get Jesse Smollett, okay. then they would come prepared, right? You would bring your rope okay. and your bleach and all of the things like that if that's the point that you wanted to make. Mm-hmm. Now— But it cool. wasn't that big of a beating if that's if it was premeditated. No, it wasn't that big of a beating. Okay. So, so right. now remember that these are also details. And also remember— when we're first getting this information, yeah. Justice Millette went to the hospital. Yes, true. Yeah. So, like, he went to the hospital. Right. He filed a police report. Right. A, a couple of things about covering stories like this and about just hearing stories like okay. this. When people are lying, they normally don't involve the cops. Okay. The reason why they don't is they when people are lying— the first thing that the first question that always comes up is, oh, why didn't you call the police? Mm-hmm. Because when people are lying about things like that, they will very rarely call the cops because if you call the cops and get them involved, guess what you get? Okay. Indicted two weeks later. I will I will slightly disagree with you on this. Interesting. Um I love how <laughs> <laughs> this was our dinner we had right. like a month ago. I would say something like, really? <laughs> you know, it would go up a couple of octaves, like, right. okay, nigga, what are you guys saying? You know? Um Every white guy that kills his wife mm-hmm. goes to the police and tells these sob stories. You know, the police, they always do the interviews, the false interview and all that stuff. All these stories. When they're orchestrating room. it. Right. When it actually, like, when, they, when they're orchestrating right. it, right? So, And then they have everybody looking for the wife and all that stuff. Yeah, like, when they're, when they're orchestrating it. Like, right. when I, this is what I mean. What I mean by what I said was that I'm not talking about in grand criminal schemes. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about in things where people allege something. Ha- like, for sure. example, was but when people allege something happened, yo, this happened to me, this happened to me, we get stories of celebrities saying stuff mm-hmm. happened, and then the first thing we'll go, okay, well, why didn't you call the police? Right. And the right. reason why they didn't call the police is because they didn't want their claim right. under the scrutiny under of trained, trained investigators. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So— when somebody doesn't file a police report, when somebody doesn't do something like that, a lot of times we can't even cover it because it's not even real until you do that. Right. So the police report— You're talking about for you guys at TMZ. Right, right? for us, for our for, bullshit For it meter. to be a story. Right, for our okay. bullshit meter to go off or for it to be a story, normally you have to call the police. Okay, so for you personally, this was 
you didn't have the Spidey kind of thing that I had. This was bad, blanket bad. Okay, TMZ. Did TMZ itself have any hmm moments, or did you feel like? And I'm just going by how you felt about it. It mm-hmm. may may or may not be the case, but did you feel like everybody there was? Taken in the way you were too. Or? I think that with any story, there's a bunch of opinions on the on, okay. on, on, right. on, on every good. side, and That's so good. and so in this particular one is he's alleging that it happened. Mm-hmm. His people are with him saying that it happened. He goes to the hospital. He files a police report. So all you can do uh, initially is report that this is what he claimed happened. Right. Okay. After a while. Once you start digging into the story a little bit That's more. That's when the reporting happens. Right. right. That, right. And you start digging into the story a little bit more. You start putting things together a little bit more. The You start talking to more sources in and around the investigation. Mm-hmm. That's when you start to go, wait a minute now. Now, did you talk to anyone in the police department yourself? No. Were you on this story yourself or someone else? No. This was, this was remember, I'm sports. This is the TMZ side. Okay, got it, got it, got yeah. it. So you're on the side, right. Yeah. Okay. So you're observing this yeah, from, but from a professional standpoint. But we're all, we're all getting You guys are all in that mix somewhere. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you're watching this in real time, too. So when did, uh, when did you begin to get suspicious about this? Or did you have doubts about this once a preponderance of this stuff happened? I would end almost every segment that I would do on a live shot. Every segment we would do on TMZ Live, on the show, I would finish it with, I believe, Jesse Smollett. Okay. I would finish, like, people would be like, yo, they're saying this, this and the up. I would be like, I believe Jesse Smollett. It mm-hmm. really wasn't until it became obvious that um, there was some sort of connection with these when they actually produced these guys. Right. When they actually produced these guys, that's when I started to go, okay, well, it, this is now, everything's pointing away from my initial belief of mm-hmm. what went down. And how did you feel? Did you feel betrayed or anything, or did you feel let down? Did well, you feel- I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Even where we stand right now, I still maintain a sliver of hope that he didn't. That he didn't. That he got uh, his ass beaten. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, I hope he got his ass. Beaten. Right, it's a weird thing to kind of hope for, right? I hope he was beaten. Right, I still maintain a sliver of hope, like because he, well, people. people well, let to, me ask you straight: Do you believe his story, or do you believe um, he staged this? I don't know. You you are not on either side of it. I can't I, now. Not what I've learned. Mm-hmm. And the side that I am on now is that it don't look good. Okay. But I'm going to wait till this is completely finished. So you're kind of the OJ jury right now. Yeah, right. exactly. I'm the <laughs> right. OJ jury. I'm not, or as Chris Rock said, I'm not saying right. what he did was right. Right. I'm saying I understand. Right. It, like, mm-hmm. it, don't, it, don't, it don't look good, man. Mm-hmm. It don't look good. And it the, the best case scenario is that there's some reason that these guys— the, actually, the only plausible explanation left is there's some reason that these guys wanted to perpetrate this attack on him, and that did. You think guy. it's possible they actually attacked him for whatever reasons? I mean, that's the only ex- other explanation outside of him orchestrating it. The only explanation outside of him orchestrating it is that they attacked him for some reason. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some kind of personal beef between them, and in order to hide the fact that they just wanted to kick his ass, they uh, dressed up like some guys. Okay, so if. If that, in fact, happened, mm-hmm. why do you think he was so insistent with saying they were white? Um, I don't know. 
Uh, mm. it, like if you're gonna do that, maybe you put something on your face, dude. I'm spitballing here. You think you was <laughs> like, 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 wait? You think these ni- the Nigerians were in white, white face? face? Could they could be mm. could two Nigerians in white face? Think about how awesome that would be if that happened. They're very clever with the Nigerian prince schemes. I'll give them that. By the way, but, that was also something that threw me off a little mm-hmm. bit. I'll tell you why. The, are you talking about the letter? Well, the, the not the letter. letter. It's like the thirty five hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. When I when these okay, explain schemes, what you mean by that. So th- th- it's alleged that all of this happened and that they were paid thirty five hundred dollars. Okay. Okay. Now what what people say now what's being said now is that what Jesse side of uh, things says is that these guys were his trainers, so he paid them thirty five hundred dollars mm-hmm. for a uh, for training and for the nutrition plan. Right? I heard that they sent him a letter saying. Uh, we need help. Can you, we will give you fifty five hundred dollars if right, you put thirty five hundred dollars in our see, bank account? And so, and so I was telling people that I was like, "Yo, if these are Nigerian scammers, they're the worst ones ever because they don't ask you for thirty five hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. What they ask you for is fifteen thousand, so you right. can get the million that you're supposed exactly. to get. Right. So I, I like that right there. I was like, "No, nah, they're not good Nigerian scammers, man. Thirty five hundred, no. but seriously, thirty five hundred bucks didn't seem like enough money to carry out this type of attack, and especially now." It, 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 like and especially now, for me, and once again, this is me wanting to believe him. But especially okay. now, they're saying that part of the money was actually used for training, and then the leftover money, mm-hmm. uh, they're trying to hide it by uh, funneling it through the training deal for some sort of attack. Mm-hmm. So that means that why would they? You, so they're saying that he was he was paying them to do this. In other words, is is what the accusation is? Yes. Okay. Because why would they do it for free? Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, well, maybe he was going to promise them like a part in something. Maybe it sounded yeah, like the, they the, were showbiz adjacent. At least they wanted to be. Yeah. The cops yeah. say that the the cops say, and I guess the brothers are going to testify to the fact that they were paid to orchestrate the attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, what do you think if he in fact orchestrated this? Which at this point, I do believe that is what happened. It's what makes the most sense. Although there were some theories. Remember, there were some theories about a grinder date gone bad, and maybe he wanted to cover that up and yeah. say that this attack. Like some people had this theory, so mm. you know. But that doesn't seem likely now because with these two guys who were found, it seems like there was yeah, something yeah. premeditated. So that theory kind right, of went I mean, out there's the a video. But there for actually the... would have been more emotional support for somebody who was beaten up for this reason and yeah. said it was this reason. Right. You know, you could at least emotionally understand that point yeah. of view. I mean, right? there's video now of the guys buying supplies that look like they were used. Have you seen this? No, I haven't seen that video. There's a video floating around right now of the two guys in the store buying stuff wow. that looks like it was used in the attack. This so. is like a bad Law & Order episode It's a now. really bad one, man. Right. It's a this really like bad one. It's third season Law & Order. Yeah, right. like down the line, you know what yeah. I mean? Like with Benjamin Bratt. Like when oh, yeah, like, I remember the Benjamin yeah. Bratt era right. of Law yeah. & Order. Yeah, I remember, I remember <laughs> that era. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so mm-hmm. it, 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 you know, it, you're going to ask what if he did orchestrate the attack? Here's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. If he did do it, what do you think his motivation was? I there's that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like there've been several different um theories about what his motivation was and they all get debunked. At first it was that he was getting written off Empire. Well, Fox came out and said that he wasn't getting written mm-hmm. off Empire and I know I know for certain that not only was he not getting written off Empire, his role on Empire was going to grow. Mm-hmm. His role on Empire was going to get bigger. There was going to be something that happened that was going to make his character incredibly pivotal on Empire. Okay, so, so it wasn't that for, wasn't that for that. Okay, what are the, the other? other theories? Were that um, there was another theory that uh, 
uh, he, um, I guess, is the one that people are 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 operating under now. That mm-hmm. he um, was upset because there was a letter that was mailed a couple of weeks earlier that was a threatening letter, and that he was upset that that letter didn't get more coverage, mm-hmm. and so that now. Well, there's some doubt about that letter too. Some, well, there wasn't saying, then, but there is now. Right. That then, he may have orchestrated that. Well, then everyone took the letter seriously. Right. Then everyone took it seriously. It was investigated by the FBI. The FBI is now reinvestigating the letter. But then like, like then everyone took it seriously. Okay, so it, let's say the letter was the first thing. What would be the motivation for that? Uh, th- like, I'm looking the, at the inciting incident. Like there's, our- there's, exactly. Right. There's absolutely zero motivation for any of this. Mm-hmm. As that we can understand now, okay, none. So here's what gets me because if I look at the simple um, evidence that's in front of me, if he, like, I'm still looking at the insistence that it was two white guys. That's the part that I'm having problems with, right? Because to me, that's sitting in the weeds of what the motivation is, right? You know, because why are you talking about what the race of your attackers are unless right. you're trying to prove a point, right? So or unless you're being descriptive so that they can be caught. But he's insisting on it. Right? Even still, but like if you, if you, I mean, if that actually Like happened. this is some Susan Smith stuff. <laughs> right? I remember Where that. she said. Yeah, the, the guys uh, took, their, took her kid That's, or whatever. She was insisting on it. Right. She's making a point. Right. So, right. I mean, the reality is if, in fact, it happened to you and you want the guys caught, you wouldn't change what their race was. You'd say that they were what you saw. Yeah, if you were telling the truth. I mean, now, but so now if he flips and goes, no, they were actually black. Now, you know, it's a lot. No, 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 no. I'm saying if, you know, they obviously weren't white, right? right? But he's making a point to say that they're white. He's making, as opposed to not knowing. Like if he said they're wearing masks, I don't know what race they were. Right. He's not making a declaration of that. Yeah. But he chose, this is a very conscious decision. And in fact, in his talk with Robin Roberts, which, by the way, I find very offensive now when I look at for when you talk about the cultural thing, here Robin Roberts is trying to do you a solid. And by the way, arguably the most important black woman on television in terms, yeah, right, sure, very uh, well respected. Here's a gay woman who had this cancer thing in real time that people saw her go through. She just came out stronger and very well respected. Mm-hmm. Nobody's down on Robin Roberts. Yeah, to. If he like sat there and to her face lied to her, the hum- yeah. that is humiliating and disrespectful, embarrassing. To like, listen, yeah, it's very important to say. But the 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 point that he was making with her was the white point, and that's part of. It seems to me he's trying to bring light to this cause, what we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. which is a real issue, which we both know. Yeah, that there is a problem out there with the way, to me, Black Lives Matter, but people. Don't forget, queer lives fucking matter. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. queer lives fucking matter out there. Yeah. You know, and this type of thing, if th- this false thing to me hurts that more even than the black side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, it's hard for me to watch that interview knowing that this thing was staged. Yeah. So for me, a couple of things. One mm-hmm. is it's, in, it's incumbent upon us not to let it hurt anything, and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. In the grand scheme of things— mm-hmm. If Justice Millett lied, he lied. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that the lives of queer people, black people, um, uh, Muslims, 
uh, are any less under attack in America. It doesn't. Does it put them more at risk? Does it, it hurt the cause? Does it hurt? Does it, it, it does it, it deafen the ears of people who need to know these which, things? Which 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 people? I don't know. Well, so so that that's my question. Like that's, in terms, let me put it like this. Yeah. In terms of the stories that are going to get attention, you know how stories rise to the top. The public kind of decides it's this thing where we want to listen to this as opposed to this. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of those non-ideological things. Yeah. Some of that is zeitgeist and that right. type of thing. If there's enough stories that are reported as false or hoaxes or that. I mean, the ability for a story to rise becomes harder and harder. But who do we need to listen to the story? So th- th- that, that's my point. My point is, if if these are realities for me and I know them to be realities, right? If these are realities for you and you know them to be realities, who are we hoping believes us? Like, the- What do you think? Let me ask you this. What do you think would have happened during the civil rights movement if Martin Luther King started doing hoax events? <laughs> you know, right. Was, was faking being beaten up or mm-hmm. pretended to be in the Birmingham jail. Yeah. You know, but he was in a Walmart hanging out doing a film. Right. Or something, you know, <laughs> not to use your example. You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> My brain was searching right, for Right, like he was hanging out with me. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I don't mean to be flip, you know, but... No, I'm with it. But, like, the undermining of that cause, like, in the... the the fatal blows that that would have. And sure, I know you're saying, well, who's that going to hurt? Well, it just hurts the integrity so of something. The, so, so, it hurts the integrity of a cause. Well, so so this is the way I look at it. In the in the times that Martin Luther King Jr. lived in, when you're, he had to be not only completely, right. like, first Satan, of all, not sinner. Right. right. So he had mm-hmm. to be, there are all kinds of things about Martin Luther mm-hmm. King that had to be sacrosanct, right? Like, sure. they had to be. No, I understand. Compl- right. So, so I, I, I get that. Mm-hmm. In terms of, of, in terms of where we are now, mm-hmm. this is how I look at it. There's enough, like, cultural power and enough movement for us to address these things within our communities mm-hmm. and for one another to where we don't need to worry about who believes us, who's right with us, and who's not. Does it hurt what cause? To me, it doesn't hurt any cause. This guy lied. And anybody that was on the fence about whether or not uh, people's lives are under attack and anybody that's under a, on the fence about whether or not what we're saying is true, I don't really want to do much too much convincing them anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess my point when I when I look at that, and I had to really think about that. It's like this hurts the cause. This hurts the, the this hurts this. This hurts that. So because think about a human being that would say because Justice Millett lied, I don't think that gay people are under attack in America. Mm-hmm. I know what you're saying because Justice Millett lied, I don't think that black people are under attack in America. How much of our energy can we afford? trying to make those people believe what we're saying. Well, I'm making the ancillary point on that Mm -hmm. is, hey, I'm attacked. Sorry, we're not covering that. Okay. It's not I believe you or not, but we're so, not we're not covering that. So, then so in other words, voices don't get heard is what I'm saying. So it's up to us to, to champion those things until they do. Like if we That's know, what I'm saying. When yeah. you're an advocate for something, yeah. advocacy can take a hit. That's what I'm talking about. Mm. You know, because advocacy becomes, you know, like people might be afraid to even join a cause when something happens because they're afraid of what happens if this isn't true, you know? Hmm. Um, You know what I mean? Like, not you, but there may be important voices who, when they're in allyship with these things, it's a very powerful thing. Yeah. What if they're don't they want to— the, the, They're, they're going to be—might be reticent to have that type of what I can see allyship is, when those stories first come out, and then that story never gets heard. What, what I can see is there might mm-hmm. be some people that are a little gun-shy— and maybe this is a good, not not so bad of a thing. There might be a people that are a little, like, for example, there were 
forget about your celebrities and social media influencers and people right. who know sure, Jesse. Sure. There were Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. Kamala Harris. People running for president. The, yeah. Like those those people might be a little gun shy the next time something well, like poli- this happens. They're politicians, right? Well, right. Right. So right, what right, I'm right, saying right. is when right. when when you when you're in a high leverage, they didn't realize that this was a high leverage moment. They mm-hmm. thought that they were coming to the aid of a victim. Mm-hmm. But I will say that if we're going to believe victims and going to um sort of have a situation to where we hear victims, sometimes you're going to get burnt. Mm-hmm. And the, the the hard thing, and we can talk about this with any single movement that people have been championing sure. for the last no couple years. Is perfect. No yeah. movement is perfect. Right. Like, if, if everyone, I'm a huge supporter of the Me Too movement, but if you think that there's never been a woman or a man that's lied about being raped or sexually Human harassed, nature. right. You're wrong. Yeah, right. like Duke Cross, all kinds of things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, even going back thirty years, you know, Tawana Brawley and all of those uh, situations mm-hmm. like that, right? So, just because that happens, mm-hmm. just because she lied, mm-hmm. uh, if you guys aren't familiar with the Tawana Brawley case, mm-hmm. um, she was a young woman who had said that she was raped by white men, mm-hmm. and well, Al Sharpton championed it, championed it, right, and kind of ruined uh, the guy's uh, uh, life. It was. Uh, Accused of it. Right. So remember. horrible thing, right? Right. Does that mean now that the next time a woman says that she was raped, that we go, oh, we got burned once, once right. been twice shot? No. Like, it's, it's not the way it works. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say this. This is something that is different here. Had there been specific people that Justice Millett accused of doing this to him would have been a little bit different mm-hmm. for me. Okay. Had, there not, had, had we not been looking for some sort of apparition that didn't really exist and we're trying to form it into an actual person, mm-hmm. um, that would have been different. Because yeah. if you say, yo, this person did something to me, before I go out and call this person a, a, a piece of shit and all of this stuff like that, I got to know that I'm in the right. But if you're saying you're attacked and these we got to find these people, no one's really being victimized. Well, I, I would disagree with that mm-hmm. in a sense because the victimization he did was a political one. Is, well, he victimized his own causes. Well, but he also did a political victimization where he said, you're a MAGA country. So he's the one that chose— I got to admit, I don't give a fuck about that. I know you don't, yeah. but that's because you're on the other side. But right. I'm sorry, there are a lot of people who are on the other side who are reasonable, honorable people. Not everybody— Really? Of course, really. That, Not, are, that are all, they're, they're reasonable, they're, honorable Trump supporters. Well, there are people who are Republicans and conservatives. I don't consider Trump an honorable person, but there are people who will vote on that side for their own reasons, who I believe are reasonable, honorable people, but I just disagree with how they're voting. You know, I can hold both of those things, and and I think that is a fact. You know, now I, I, a, a lot I, I disagree of disagree with that fundamentally, but I understand. I, what I you're understand, saying. and yeah. I respect that. Yeah. And I think a lot of a lot of the political times that we're in doesn't allow for that kind of thing that I'm saying right now. And I understand that, but I don't mind. That's fine. But I know examples in my own life of those people. So, Oh, I know people that, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I have people in our family who are Trump supporters. In almost every family. There's a guy at TMZ, Mm -hmm. a dude named Hamilton. Right. Big Trump supporter. Yeah. Me and Hamilton talk all the time. Me and Hamilton have a lot of things. Is he reasonable and honorable? This is what I would say. Is he reasonable and honorable? I, I don't know. He's reasonable. I don't know. Listen, listen. I'm <laughs> but I'm honest. just making I'm a I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be right. honest with you. It, when you say honorable. Well, but, meaning, if, would you, you could go out and have a drink with this guy, yeah. spend time. That's what I mean. 
Oh, oh, I, that I definitely get. But yeah. I, this I don't mean I, he's the Pope. Right, right, right. But this, right. but this well, is why some I, people might argue. Right, right. right. Honorable is the Pope. So but, I don't but, know if there are any examples. Right. It's like, hey, yeah. yeah. So this is what I would say about that. And I'm, it's so, the difference between macro and micro is what I'm saying. I get too. So this is what I would yeah. say about that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is maybe a personality flaw that I have. Mm-hmm. And the personality flaw that I have is in my life, if it's fuck me, then it's fuck you. <laughs> you, know, you, you, you know what I mean? And that, like, and that, that, that's, that's, yes. that's the personality flaw that I have. And I pray about this. Uh-huh. Ex- explain that a little bit more. Meaning, meaning, if we can be cool, right? Okay. Or we can have conversations. Mm-hmm. I'm not a spiteful, hateful person, mm-hmm. so I'll greet everyone with love, right? Mm-hmm. But if you say fuck me, then it's really fuck you. So what I'm mm-hmm. saying is, a Trump vote to me is a fuck you to me vote. I understand. And so, and so, and so, like. And based upon sort of, like, people want apologies for— Is an anti-Trump vote a fuck you to that side? No, because— Why not? uh, Well, because I think that the identity politics that Trump Trump is different. Like, Mm -hmm. a, a, a vote for Bush is not a fuck me vote. Okay, you're, vote, you're looking at Trump as a person. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. A vote for Bush is a vote for the Republicans mm-hmm. uh, is not a vote. A vote for McCain, a vote for Bob although, Dole. Although during the Bush era, people would have disagreed with you. Well, after if we were Katrina, having this conversation after, in 2005. After Katrina, it right. was hard for me to understand why anyone would support President sure. Bush. But he was what President Bush was was a bad politician. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, a bad politician with bad ideas. American America can survive those guys. Mm-hmm. What this guy is specifically, and I'm not going to rail on this because I've, yeah, yeah, I've yeah. got yeah. But mm-hmm. what this guy is specifically to me is someone who represents a sea change in not only American political discourse, but with the way we would allow our commander in chief to set the tone about how people, yeah. political or non-political, treat each other. Yeah, Trump is a narcissistic sociopath who is an existential threat to the safety and security of the free world. Exactly. So if you <laughs> if you decide that you're going to vote for that guy mm-hmm. because you like an economic—by the way, the economy is actually slowing or there's— People think that we're going to be in a recession by the end of the year, so that's not working either. If you're going to vote for right. that— But those are political points. Those aren't personality points. I get it. But what right. I'm saying is that if 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 you're going to vote for that guy, a guy who is willing to, in my in my opinion, uh, cozy up next to white supremacists, supremacists uh, vilify large parts of the Latino community— uh, all of these right. different things. I, I understand the opposition to Trump. I get it, but if you're willing right. to vote for the, if you, I, if but, you're willing but that to vote, is how. But you, here's the thing: I understand that that is your categorization of it, and I share many of those things. And that is your reason to not vote for him. That is not the reasons why people vote for him. They don't say, "I want to vote for this guy because of these horrible things." Um, the way that the horrible things are being categorized. This mm-hmm. is what I'm saying where the reasonable, honorable people are. Right. Mo- most people vote for historical reasons because they've been a Republican all their life, they've been a Democrat all their life, and they vote for things like, here's how I believe uh, less government, I don't believe in bigger government. or these. It's a lot of these grand issues. A lot of these things, people at the end of the day, am I going to vote for Hillary or Trump? Mm, no, I like this guy better. They don't even go this far with a lot of things. This but, is what I'm. This is what I mean by that. Okay. I get it. I get it. But this is what this guy ran on. I understand. I so, I don't disagree with that. I, I, no, no, I get. I so, don't disagree. So with what that. I'm saying is what I learned about America. But those people, I'm saying, hated Hillary more than they liked Trump. Many of those people. Okay, right. fair. Like they're never Trumpers. I mean, are, are those people? Listen, fair enough. Yeah. What I like. Well, but, but what I'll say is. If you got in bed with this guy for whatever reason— I don't disagree. It's very hard for me to be like, 
I don't disagree. After so many people have been victimized yes. by him, it's very hard for me to be like, Trump is so divisive. It, it, it's very it. hard for me to be like, all right, I'm sorry. That, like, <laughs> like, like fuck you. Like, I mean, like, it's very hard for me to no, be like, I get all right, it. you know what I, I'm saying? I get it that that is transferred to the voters. I get that. Right. You know, I think a little differently and then that's fine. That's fine. I'm not mad at that. Yeah. But what I'm saying, the effect is you are you are throwing that dart at those people. Okay, mm-hmm. this is what you're doing. Unfairly, for sure. Correct, right? Yeah. But so— Let's say there are this Venn diagram of people who can be go either side in this this type of election. I'm making a political argument right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not making a cultural one. Okay. Um, you see, if there are examples of the left falsely accusing the right of these things, why should they think that that's an honorable side to be on if they're doing that? That's yeah. what I'm saying. No. So this is the way I look right. at it. If if Justice Millett, in like fa- they could say Trump's right. It's right. fake news. So if this, just, this stuff is fake. If Justice Millett, mm-hmm. in fact, orchestrated this, right? He is no different than Donald Trump. He is somebody that's using the word, use people's fear, uh, the divis- divisiveness in the country. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Right. Um, it's a tough word to say. It is. Um, <laughs> it it he's really to use all of these things, including identity politics, all of this stuff, right, uh, for his own personal gain. And that's mm-hmm. exactly the same thing that we accuse Donald Trump of. It's the exact and same thing that we say about It may Donald not Trump. even be his personal gain. If I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, it may have been for the gain of a cause. That's what I'm saying. It could, like, have, it been. could have been his perverted view of I. this cause is important. I don't care that it's a lie. People need to know it's important. Like, I'm giving him the benefit but of the doubt. But also, there was some martyrdom that was going to come with this entire right. deal. And, and It's not well thought through. They're not well thought it. through. Right. But so, it, it, he would be the same thing. And that's a... That's something that we we'd have to deal with him mm-hmm. uh, very, very, very viciously almost. Um, but I guess my the way I look at the entire deal, uh, when I really, really think of it, is that we can't be so affected by this that it changes the mechanism inside of us that makes us believe victims like lean into their stories yeah. and and take them at their word. Right. Now, when someone's exposed as a liar, there should be a swift and very harsh punishment for them. Be that legally, be that societally, be that culturally, however you want to put it. And that same that's the same thing that should happen to Justice Millett if in fact that he lied. But, you know, people that might be on the fence uh, and might be want to want to be on the honorable side of things. It's just hard for me to to really. I give you an example: of Central Park Five, right? Mm-hmm. So, people are coming to me saying, like, you Van, you should apologize to the all Trump supporters, all the MAGA people, because they were unfairly victimized, right? And now it looks like they were exonerated. Okay, that they, they, they were they they were uh, uh, vindicated. So. The Central Park Five saying that you should that anyone who believed Justice Millett should okay. apologize to 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 MAGA people, right? So Donald Trump is the president, their guy, right? Mm-hmm. Central Park Five alleged to have raped a jogger, nineteen eighty nine. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump pays nine thousand dollars, takes out a full page ad, right. saying that the guys did it mm-hmm. um, before anything had been adjudicated, right? Mm-hmm. They are they go to jail because that's what happens to black men, right? When false allegations are made, the the cops don't work on the behalf of the the cops put your ass in jail when a false allegation is made and you're black. Um, so uh, they go to jail. They're in jail for X amount of years. DNA evidence exonerates them. 
Later on, Donald Trump in 2016 is asked to apologize. Apologize for saying that these guys did something that they didn't do. What Donald Trump says is, I still believe that they did it. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump says, like, I still think that these guys did this. They admitted that they did it. What he's saying is, over the course of uh, hours that the cops had them, they confessed because they're kids, Mm -hmm. and this is the way cops get confessions out of people. The DNA says they never did it. They got let them out and got millions and millions of dollars. Your guy, your president— is saying, no, I'm not apologizing. I'm not saying sorry. Even though not only did he victimize them, but other black and brown men who are held to an unfair standard in society every single day. Mm -hmm. So even when we're not guilty, we're still not guilty in the eyes of the guy right now who's running the fucking country. So based upon that, when I see that, it's very hard for me to feel bad for people who are supporting that. Right. It's hard for me to be like, yo, I need to come back and say a big sorry and do a huge mea culpa and do all of this stuff right there. When this dude never apologizes for anything, mm-hmm. doubles down on the times that he's fucked up, and still has those same people supporting him. Yeah, I don't think anybody that believed Jesse's story needs to apologize for anything. I mean, pe- that's who— I mean, he's an actor. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's his that's his job is to convince people of the truth, and right. he succeeded. You know, so it's not it's. So I don't fault, I don't fault, I don't fault people for believing that that's story. Right. That was a very compelling story. I mean, <laughs> no, but right. Yeah. I mean, he did his he did his job. You know, yeah. people believed him. Of course, people are going to be emotional and feel sorry for him. Nobody owes anybody an apology who believed his story. The only person who should apologize is Jesse Smollett, and I feel. The biggest group you should apologize is to the LGBTQ. That black that's community. that's I agree. Who with do you, you think would forgive him first, the black community or the gay community? I think it's going to be the LGBTQ. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to forgive him first. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think they are. Because I'm gonna be. You I'm, think black people are like? Mm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you why. I, black people are very forgiving to on these on a lot of these things though. To gay people though. N- no, I mean, when, when black people have fallen, the people that would forgive the black people first are black people. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's your yard. You, you, you know what I mean? It is real, though. It's like the one place you, like, you can still get into the cookout. Right. Like, you may have to wait till the food is being served. Yeah, it's true. But, but you know why that is, though? Right. I was talking about this on my podcast. I was like, you know, I went to, when I was a kid, I visited a lot of prisons, man. Yeah. And the guys that were in these prisons were like my uncles. Yeah. And they might have done fucked up shit in society, right. but they loved me. Right. So the version of the complicated man that a lot of people get later on in life, I was raised with that guy. Right. I was raised with the guy that comes in the house with the gun in his right. back pocket and goes, hey, you want a hamburger? And I'm like, you know, you know like, like he's, he's got a weapon on him. Yeah. You know he just hurt somebody. Wow. But all you see yeah. is he's feeding you. Right. So it's easy to forgive people for doing yeah. fucked up shit when you Life were— It's complicated. It's complicated. It's complicated. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see what's going to happen here. Yeah, um, and, you know, it's a, it's a sad thing, man. I think, I think this kid has thrown his career away. Um, it's unfortunate because I asked you a question I asked you off air you're a big deal in this town that you Mm -hmm. produce and get a lot of stuff out do you think that right now if in fact he orchestrated this do you think that you could work with Justice Millet me personally yeah not if he fabricated this thing I mean that's a terrible thing to do yeah I don't don't you think he's cooked for good or you think (sighs) well look 
I am a person that does believe in redemption. Sure. You know, I'm saying that right now at this point, the, with him denying this and everything, there would be huge problems. Now, to me, if Justice Bonilla came out and, and did a mea culpa, and like I said, he needs to apologize to the black and gay communities who I believe he harmed. I don't think he needs a MAGA apology like we're saying. Right. You know, I think he could give a blanket apology. I'm sorry I said it was two white guys and it yeah. wasn't. It's a know, fucked up thing to do. It's a fucked up thing to do. Yeah. But he needs not only apologize, he's got to make— there's amends that have to be done. He needs to immediately start doing the the groundwork to for any damage that has been caused in that area. He may have to do, you know, some— some prison time or whatever, too, unfortunately. Yeah, by the yeah. way, just so people know, uh, filing a false police report up there in Illinois, it is a felony mm. and punishable by up to three years in prison. Does it matter what type of report it is? I don't know. Uh, like if you said, I saw somebody cross a red light, you know? <laughs> like, oh, you're lying. <laughs> three years in prison for that? Come on, guys. He crossed the red light. Seriously. Right, right. All right. right. You spend the night in the clink. Right. You know, but right. It, it, I don't think that he's going to do any jail time, but probably shit, not. I don't know. He probably don't won't know, do jail time. He probably right. won't do any jail. But they right. could if they wanted to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Van Lathan, thanks so much for no coming problem, by. It was man. so great talking to you. We'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, the red man. red pill, not the red pill. It's just Van red. Lathan's the red pill. If you just go there in there, go. And, and, Van Lathan's the red pill. If you go in there and you just do red pill podcast, you're gonna get some weird shit. And we didn't have time to talk about it, but uh, if you're not familiar with Van, please go on YouTube, and I believe your your interaction with Kanye. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> you know is on yes. there, which was uh, my, another uh, cultural moment. My close up, Mr. Deville. Yeah, uh, my 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 big coming out party right there. Yeah, maybe at some another time we can uh, talk about that. Um, maybe when Kanye pops up again. Yeah, I don't know where he's at. Are right you guys now. friends? We've talked. Yeah. yeah. Afterwards. Yeah. yeah, we've talked. That's nice. Yeah, like was we. He, it's all love. Was he kind of nice? Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, <laughs> he called me that night. Wow. That night, like, yo, come by the house. By the way, so listen, he, he tells me to come by the house, right? And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm I got my dignity, right? Like, I'm, I'm standing up for the cause. And right. I go, nah, man. He you said know. slavery was yeah, a choice. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, you know what, bro? Appreciate the, <laughs> you know, what he, he said. He literally said, like, come by the house. We'll talk about it. We'll hang out and blah blah blah. Right. Blah. Being Olive Branch, right? We're not at war, but he just wanted sure. to come to talk it out. Hmm. So I didn't go, right? And then later on, I found out. That at the house is fucking John Legend and fucking Dave Chappelle and and mm-hmm. everybody's all in these all of these fucking guys uh-huh. I would love to meet is just hanging around See? Push and all of these dudes and I didn't go to the crib to hang out with fuck Dave gone. fucking Chappelle should have gone man should have gone to the crib man but right. I feel like it was important that I didn't go though. Because, yeah. you know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. Van Lathan's telling lies like Jesse now, man. If he wants me to believe this story. All right, Van Lathan, everybody. Thanks again. Appreciate it.